This is KPFK. 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. KPFK, the strongest FM signal west of the Mississippi, broadcasting at 112,000 watts of power, serving most of Southern California from Santa Barbara to San Diego. Webcasting at kpfk.org with an eclectic mix of public affairs, talk, news, culture, music, and health and spirituality content, including some Spanish language programming. We are in our August membership drive towards the end. Go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818 818- 985-5735. That is 818-985-KPFK. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong. Here are today's headlines. Black-owned platforms creating a space for consumers to purchase products exclusively created and sold by Black entrepreneurs. Los Angeles World Airports bans the sale of single-use plastic and a bid for sustainability. Guyanese descendants of enslaved Africans demand reparations. And Gabon, the military has annulled the results of the weekend's general election and deposed the newly re-elected president while closing the country's borders. International news with Don DeBar and Polina Vasiliev and the community calendar. All this and more coming up. Sean Diddy Combs wants to strengthen the black dollar. The music mogul is spearheading a new online marketplace called Empower Global that will specifically feature black-owned businesses. He says, I want to create a our own black Wall Street, Combs told the Associated Press about his e-commerce platform, which launched last month. Consumers can shop on the curated place for black-owned brands and beauty, fashion, art, and lifestyles. Diddy says he's passionate about building substantial wealth in his community, like the Greenwood District, the thriving black-owned community in Tulsa, Oklahoma, often referred to as the Black Wall Street, which was destroyed in a two-day attack by a white mob in 1921. Lives were lost, over 600 businesses destroyed, and more than 10,000 black people lost their homes. Combs said he's not looking for a financial benefit after he invested $20 million in Empower Global, which allows consumers to purchase products exclusively created and sold by black entrepreneurs. The curated marketplace featuring Black-owned brands will allow consumers to purchase clothing, shoes, beauty accessories, including skin care and fragrances, and even wall art. The platform was designed and created by two Black-owned companies, TechSpark and ChatDesk. The platform launched with 70 brands with plans to introduce new Black businesses monthly. He hopes to showcase more than 200 brands by the end of the year. Combs says, quote, this is about building our own infrastructure and ecosystem. Combs said, I'm not doing this for profit. This is about us, end of quote. Combs says he feels more excited about launching into Empire Global than before the start of his widely popular label, Bad Boys Records. Combs continues, quote, I'm going into these areas to diversify things and fight for our inclusion. This is a platform about sharing power and empowering each other. This is something that is for my people. This is a tipping point for us to wake up, start paying attention and supporting each other while taking responsibility and accountability. End of quote. 
Combs, who's worked on the platform for years, said it's important for black people to circulate money in their own community. Here are some findings by the City of Detroit City Council Legislative Policy Division within their May 2023 report on generational wealth in Detroit, and it examines the circulation of the dollar in the black community. Prior to June 1st, 1921, it is said that the dollar circulated 36 to 100 times in the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also known as the Black Wall Street. The single dollar might have stayed in Tulsa for almost a year before leaving. According to the University of Georgia's Selig Center for Economic Growth, in modern times, money circulates one time within the African-American community, compared to more than six times in the Latino community, nine times in the Asian community, and an unlimited amount of times within the white community. A Black Star Project study on the racial gap, wealth gap calculates that a dollar circulates six hours in the black community, 20 days in the Jewish community, and 30 days in the Asian community. Compared to today, the dollar was working at a high level of excellence in the black Wall Street days. Combs further states, quote, I've graduated from me to we. I'm able to use my God-given intelligence to create I'm passionate about the possibility of showing black economic unity. I'm not going to stop until I'm working with the best brands, the best black-owned digital mainstream, so we can start fueling our own economic system. End of quote. Meanwhile, Delzina Wilson de Briano of Tag Team Marketing says it has been 28 years since they began the journey of creating wealth, love, unity, and prosperity in the black community. After all these years of learning, teaching, selling, and achieving, tag team marketing finally reached the point where they have begun the ultimate journey with their black business network to get millions of black people buying from black people consistently, booming black-owned businesses, creating true black economic independence, just as Marcus Garvey envisioned almost a century ago as stated on their website. Delzina Wilson de Briano, president of the Black Buy Black Movement, says the Buy Black Movement has been on this mission since 2015 and that the time has come for masses of black people to excel economically. They are putting the black community to work, creating black mass black productivity, aiming to create thousands of black millionaires more than any company or industry in history and usher in a new era of prosperity for black people. To learn more about the Buy Black Movement, go to buyblackmovement.com. KPFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. KPFK's Marcy Winograd reports a tie vote is usually not something to celebrate, but in Santa Barbara, it was a victory for climate activists. ExxonMobil asked county supervisors if they would greenlight the installation of shutoff valves on a dormant oil pipeline. The answer was no. Pacific Pipeline, owned by ExxonMobil, cannot restart the pipeline that ruptured back in 2015, spilling over 100,000 gallons of crude oil down a storm drain into a ravine, under the freeway, and into the ocean. The 10-square-mile oil slick blackened Refugio State Beach, wounding and killing wildlife, sea otters, brown pelicans, and humpback whales. Recently, the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors split two to two with the fifth supervisor recusing herself on whether to approve Pacific Pipeline Company's oil pipeline emergency shutoff valve permit request, leaving the pipeline stalled for now. Pacific Pipeline, that's a subsidiary of ExxonMobil, took its request to the Board of Supervisors to appeal an earlier Planning Commission decision to deny installing safety valves to restart the pipeline. Environmentalists never want that pipeline restarted. Safety valves or no safety valves. One of those who testified was Barry Capello. He's a Santa Barbara attorney who represents the ranchers claiming land easements once granted for the pipeline long expired. 
Capello argued the supervisors, particularly the North County supervisors, need to slow down on permit approvals and first order an environmental impact report. Meanwhile, representatives of organized labor and the Chamber of Commerce urged the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors to approve Exxon's appeal to install the shutoff valves because more oil means more more construction, more jobs, more union jobs. Climate activists also argued the pipeline is corroded, unable to comply with corrosion prevention standards, and poised to cause another major oil spill. They said Exxon is in negotiations with a company called Sable to sell the pipeline, offshore rigs, and other facilities. Permits given to Exxon will likely be transferred to Sable, a company with no proven ability to be held liable for future spills and decommissioning costs. Not only that, but climate activists argued that the 1980s offshore platforms connected to this pipeline are decaying and way beyond their intended lifespan. In the end, the chair of the Santa Barbara County Board of Supervisors, Das Williams, and Supervisor Laura Capps sided with the Planning Commission to deny the valve permit, while North County Supervisors Steve Lavagnino and Bob Nelson voted to approve the new valves that could restart the pipeline. Supervisor Joan Hartman recused herself from the vote, explaining that the pipeline runs adjacent to the northeast corner of her property near Gaviota. The two-to-two tie vote among county supervisors is still a win for environmentalists since the pipeline cannot be restarted without those safety valves. The Planning Commission's denial of the project remains in place and the ball is back in Exxon's court as the company considers its next move. In Santa Barbara on Chumash land, I'm Marcy Winograd for KPFK's Rebel Alliance News. Thank you, Marcy. Honoring your family legacy in your circle of ancestors, your cloud of witnesses, is what one of our KPFK programmers has recently done. Pedro Baez has the story. We are speaking with Dr. Earl Afari Hutchinson, host of the Earl Afari Hutchinson Show, heard each Saturday at 9 a.m. right here on KPFK. And the reason that we're going to be talking to Earl is because of the fact that he has given a academic achievement award in the name of his maternal grandmother, Althea Brown, to the John Wood Community College in Quincy, Illinois. And Earl, what has been the reception from the community with regards to this award? It's been overwhelming. A number of people have congratulated me and said, hey, we need to do the same thing. We have loving family members, too. We'd like to honor the college. They have been very, very cooperative. They said we're going to spread the word. It's great that you designate this for a needy, academically achieving student that will help the students here. Many of them, of course, are financially challenged. And in addition to that, uh, the Quincy Herald, the Muddy River News, that's a big newspaper. I like that name, Muddy River News. The Mississippi <laughs> River, remember Quincy? Oh, yes. Uh, they have been very cooperative, too. In fact, just got word that they are going to run my op-ed piece as a letter to the editor this weekend. And we've got advertising in the Quincy Herald. All the relatives, uh, the word went out. We have a huge family, as you well know. Tons of you know aunts, uncles, cousins all over the joint. So needless to say, they're very excited about that. Uh, the second thing is I wanted this to be not only a tribute to my grandmother, the love and the warmth and her memory that she shared with me growing up, but also something else, inspiring others. Pay tribute to loved ones that were instrumental in your life, made a difference in your life. You know, it could be a little award, it could be a memento, it could be something to keep and preserve their legacy, their name, and their memory. Ancestry is big, family history is big. So everything came together with this, and I'm happy I did it. I'm happy I lived long enough, had the means to do it. And I have to think somewhere, Brother Baez, that uh, Grandma Brown, as we called her affectionately, she's got to be smiling down from you know where. Yes, indeed. And we also want to let the audience know that Quincy, Illinois, was a major stop on the Underground Railroad. As a matter of fact, this was also the same location where Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas debated when they both were running for the U.S. Senate. And Mark Twain country. And Mark Twain country, indeed. Earl, once again, congratulations, and uh, thank you for being with us for the Rebel Alliance News and KPFK. I'm Pedro Baez.
KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Your donations help keep KPFK alive. Your tax-deductible support helps fund new equipment, repairs, community events, station operations, and yes, the broadcast with me, Brad Friedman, heard Mondays at 3 p.m. on the air in Los Angeles and at Pacifica radio stations across the country. That is thanks to your help. Our programming is free of corporate influence, whether it's big oil, big pharma, big banks, or big anybody other than you our listeners, we're here for you in good times and bad, but need you to be here for us. Please keep progressive, independent media alive by stopping by kpfk.org to make a contribution today. You'll also help us shorten our fund drives as well. That's kpfk.org to donate today. And thank you for your support. Yes. Thank you for your your support. I'm Angela Burson. You're listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News. Yes, become a sustainer, which gives you consistency in your membership with us. You don't have to think about that bill, right? Think about that love gift. Think about that donation to keep community radio going strong here at KPFK 90.7 FM. And at 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM San Diego, and 99.5 FM Ridgecrest, China Lake. That's where we broadcast through, throughout Southern California. When we say we have the largest signal west of the Mississippi, we're not joking about that. The FCC, they do not issue those anymore. So your donations help us keep that strong signal up there on Mount Wilson. It helps us stay on the air, get mics handle our audio engineers with love and care equipment just everything everything that that radio station needs so for a gift of $250 you'll receive the voices that change the world it's a USB flash drive full of Pacifica archive goodness and treasures over 1,000 1, I've heard 1,300 hours of historical speeches of revolutionaries visionaries and activists who work for the betterment of this country and the world. So make sure that you guys go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. We need your help. We need your help. We need your money. We need your love. We need you to volunteer also. We need your time. But right now, it's talking about getting the money, right? Show us the money. Show us the money. We got bills. We have, I know everybody's electric bill is high. Mine is high. I'm sure Wendell Handy, the audio engineer for today, his his is high because that's just what's going on, right? So imagine all this electricity that's happening here at KPFK. That's a high bill, y'all. It needs to be paid. And it can be paid by your donations. So once again, go to kpfk.org, 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. We will be back with more news after this break. If you have an EBT card, you need to know about skimming. Criminals rig ATM and credit card machines to steal your personal information, your benefits, and your cash. Don't be a victim. If a machine looks damaged or unusual, check the device twice. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles.
Riding High. That is Riding High because it's still playing under me. Keep that playing, Wendell, please. I love that song. That's Riding High by Faiso, a late 1970s funk group based in Dayton, Ohio, and produced by Clarence Satchel of the Ohio Players, for whom it was the front band during many live performances. Band members included Roger Parker, Robert Neal Jr., Ralph I. Atkins, Tyrone Crum. Their 1977 song, Riding High, has been sampled by many hip-hop artists. Have you guys noticed a lot of these funk groups come out of Dayton, Ohio? Ohio, that's, that's a funk town, huh? All right. Remember, September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. For anyone in suicidal crisis or emotional distress, please call 988, the three-number suicide crisis lifeline. This is a free and confidential 24-hour hotline. You can call or text 988. Other resources are 988lifeline.org, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Their website is afsp.org. Find Dee Dee Hirsch Mental Health Services at ddhirsch.org. And go to nami.org for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Antonio Day of Guyana News reports that descendants of slave owner John Gladstone, the family of former British Prime Minister William Gladstone, apologizes for the family's slave-owning past in Guyana last week. Charles Gladstone delivered a historic apology for slavery and indentureship amid a small protest at the University of Guyana, where a diaspora study center was being launched. Following the reading of the apology, there was an audible declaration of rejection, and then protesters held placards demanding full reparations in a move to appear to have caught the organizers off guard during the event. Earlier, University of Guyana Vice Chancellor Dr. Paloma Mohamed Martin welcomed the Gladstone family and noted that the apology is just one stepping stone towards achieving repertory justice and expressed hope that it will bring healing to the Afro-Guyanese society. William's father, John Gladstone, was one of the largest slaveholders in the parts of the Caribbean colonized by Britain. The Argonaut reports the sale of single-use plastics is now prohibited at Los Angeles International and Van Nuys airports. This development comes at the end of a two-year phase-out program approved by the Los Angeles Board of Airport Commissioners that allowed businesses to adjust to the new regulation. Under the new policy, businesses and Los Angeles World Airports must replace single-use plastics, including water bottles and containers, with, with sustainable alternatives. Businesses have the option to use recyclable materials, such as aluminum and glass. The policy also applies to vending machines. The regulation is part of the L.A.'s Green New Deal. Mayor Karen Bass responds by saying, quote, The climate crisis is a great challenge facing our city and phasing out single-use plastic water bottles at Los Angeles World Airport's facilities is an important step to reducing our environmental footprint, end of quote. According to the Los Angeles World Airport's Nine million plastic water bottles are sold at LAX in 2019, averaging 24,000 bottles per day. Passengers are encouraged to bring reusable water bottles with them on their travels. Ahead of the ban, the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power worked with Los Angeles World Airports to install 60 additional hydration stations throughout LAX for passengers to refill their water bottles. Make sure you bring a reusable water bottle to the airport and to wash your hands after using the machine. 
In studio at KPFK 90.7 FM, the weather is 83 degrees, with the weekend forecast shows low 80s and high 70s for Saturday and Sunday. The Apple Weather Weekend forecast for our sister stations in Southern California, mid-70s in both San Diego and Santa Barbara, with Ridgecrest China Lake in the high 80s. You know the weather is cooling off when Ridgecrest China Lake is in the 80s during the summer. Okay, now some international news. As the BRICS summit came to an end last Thursday, the U.S. was busy doing damage control for the PR hit it took on the global stage from what looked like the rise of an alternative to its global empire. Don DeBar has more. Last Thursday, as the 15th annual BRICS summit closed in South Africa, the U.S. decided to use the United Nations Security Council as a platform to attack Russia's president. The U.S. holds the rotating presidency of the council for the month of August, and U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield used that opportunity to again accuse President Vladimir Putin of kidnapping Ukrainian children and dragging them off to Russia. Washington and the U.S.-backed regime in Kiev accused Moscow of illegally deporting nearly 20,000 children since the beginning of Russia's military operation in February of last year. This accusation forms the sum total of the case brought by the International Criminal Court against Russia's president, a case that hung over last week's BRICS summit. For its part, Moscow, which controls parts of Ukraine's east and south, has denied abducting children and said they were transported away for their own safety, pointing to the thousands of children killed in that part of the country over nine years of shelling by Kiev's military and paramilitary forces. Following presentations at the Security Council by two Kiev-based nonprofits and a list of U.S. allies, Russia's ambassador to the U.N., Vasily Nebenzia, responded to the charges. Madam President, on 9 May 2010, in Kiev, there was a military parade honoring the 65th anniversary of the great victory of the Soviet uh, people in the Great Patriotic War. This included the participation of two and a half thousand military personnel from Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus. The commemorations and celebrations took place throughout the city. Only four years later, on 9 May 2014, In just under three months after the anti-constitutional coup in Kiev, the fighters from the neo-Nazi battalions of Azov and Dnieper won. The fighters during a similar parade on the streets of Mariupol fired at vehicles, at ambulances. They openly killed those who took to the st- uh, who, who went out in the streets to honor the memory of their fathers and grandfathers. According to information from local uh, human rights defenders, 99 people were killed and 119 were wounded. Let us also recall that on the eve of this uh, holiday on 2 May 2014, approximately 50 peaceful protesters who stood up in defense of the Russian language were, uh, were burned alive at the trade union building in Odessa. So what happened in these four years? How were Ukrainians able to overnight replace the heroes who liberated the country from fascism, to replace them with fascist collaborators complicit in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Jews, Poles, Russians, and Ukrainians? How was an essentially Russian-language country able to stoop to persecution of Russian-language speakers, bombing civilian uh, peaceful cities in Donbass whose residents rose to defend their values? And why is it that there was no response to this from Washington? countries who outwardly advance the values of tolerance. In response to these questions uh, lies at the root of the tragedy which Ukraine is experiencing now when the criminal Kiev regime which has governed it is servicing exclusively the geopolitical interests of the U.S. and its allies, waging a hybrid war in Ukraine against Russia to the last Ukrainian. This regime is grabbing on the streets Ukrainian young men shoving them into cars and even without basic military training is sending them to certain carnage in uh, Russian military fortifications and minefields without any concern for the casualties. And our Western partners are merely egging Zelensky and his clique on. They're providing them with weapons and they're demanding that this bloodbath continue. Just recently, experts from the uh, Develt German paper efficiently calculated that the Kiev regime needs to mobilize yet another three 
3 million people to defeat Russia. And this despite the fact that the Ukrainian population, according to UN data, reduced from 48.2 million people in 2001 to 36.6 million in early 2022. Today, there are no more than 29 million people living in Ukraine. But uh, Ukraine's sponsors have no concern about these people, for as uh, Polish President Duda said, Russia can be defeated cheaply insofar as, and I quote, American soldiers are not dying, unquote. When faced with these unsavory facts, American and Western colleagues generally say that we would not find ourselves in this position had Russia not begun the special military operation against Ukraine. However, the tragedy of this country began long before when the West chose Ukraine as a pawn to fight against and to weaken Russia. We would not find ourselves in the situation if the Kiev regime had not begun in 2014 a war against its own Russian language citizens in the east of the country. We were compelled to come to the defense of women, children, the elderly who were being destroyed by Ukraine after Ukraine and its western sponsors unequivocally refused to comply with the Minsk agreements which were endorsed by the UN Security Council. Moreover, as we know perfectly well today, for all of these years, this document was used as a mere smokescreen for Ukraine's preparations for war with Russia. Our country, to the last moment, leveraged the diplomacy to address the situation. For many years, we called, including in this hall, for implementation of Minsk. In late 2021, we accepted an unprecedented proposal for security safeguards with Western states. All of these were rejected, and Ukraine openly prepared for this forcible seizure of DPR and LPR. Russia could not allow this or tolerate it, nor could we reconcile ourselves to the entrenchment on our borders of the Russophobic neo-Nazi regime, which posed a direct threat to Russia. Distinguished colleagues, today's meeting, as we know, was timed by the United States and allies to coincide with Ukrainian Independence Day. On these days, generally, certain stock is taken and uh, successes, achievements are highlighted. So what can today's Ukraine boast about? Let us attempt to, to uh, calculate what lies on the surface. Of course, the main so-called achievement is the real totalitarian dictatorship, which is strengthening with each day, where dissent is prohibited, opposition is prohibited, history is being rewritten and state policy has incorporated the glorification of Nazis and Hitler's henchmen. We are aware of tens of thousands of Ukrainians who are arrested merely for viewing Russian websites, listening to Russian music on phones, reading Russian books. Everything linked to Russia was declared to be hostile in that country long before our special operation. We have borne witness to and continue to bear witness to a multitude of political murders, intimidation, and blackmail political opponents. Are you aware of any other countries where such things take place in the open? Are you aware of any other countries where there's persecution on religious grounds taking place openly, where the canonical church is prohibited, where cathedrals, parishes, and monasteries are seized, where holy sites are desecrated, and clergy are being persecuted for their conviction? And we have seen unprecedented uh, corruption, which has reached unprecedented levels, with billions of dollars of Western assistance being stolen by the Kyiv regime. The Ukrainian media space ha abounds with this news. Only our former Western partners are able to overlook this, and yet Western countries are seeing uh, public opinion be concerned about the situation which the authorities are attempting to brush, brush aside. And what other state, other than the notorious Islamic state, what other state openly advances terrorist methods as state policy, taking pride in assaults and attacks against civilians, they're being used unwittingly as suicide bombers, they're being blackmailed through fraudulent cyber schemes, they're being forced to commit crimes in their country, are there many states like this? And there are, are there many states attempting to falsify their own history, to brainwash their own citizens, indoctrinating absolutely false ideas about their country, its role in global civilization and culture? Today, we have already shown in this hall Ukrainian school textbooks which allege that Jews, the French, the Portuguese, and many other people descended from 
ancient Ukrainians. What good could come of this historical delirium and heresy which dovetails with Nazi theories of a master race which is superior to its neighbors? In this way, we have nothing to congratulate Ukraine on on its day of independence that would be insincere. It is being used as a blind weapon wielded by the West. Uh, it is, uh, an unenviable fate is awaiting it, and uh, the contours of this are becoming ever clearer. Probably the positive here is that many can see, for the example of Ukraine, what happens by the blind obedience to the West and the willingness to compromise their interests for the sake of their geopolitical agendas. Let this serve as a lesson to others, and let the Ukrainian tragedy never again repeat itself. Thank you for your attention. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBoer. This is KPFK Rebel Alliance News, and I am Angela Birdsong. We are in our membership fund drive, and we have this special premium of over 1,300 hours to wrap your ears around the largest, most comprehensive collection of historic audio ever compiled by Pacifica Radio Archives, now available on a single USB memory drive. For a donation of $250, you will receive Voices That Changed the World. Yes. And this is something that, you know, I've, I've said this a few times. You can get it for yourself. You can get it for your grandchildren, your, your grandchildren, children, great-grandchildren. And if you're without children like me, then you will want to give it to your nieces, nephews, the next-generation cousins, their schools, their parents, your local neighborhood library. Yeah, you know, our schools and our local library, they, they need our support too. So support us and you can support them at the same time and get them that uh, Voices That Change the World. And what a great gift that, that will be to a public or private school, uh, whether you have family there or not. Maybe it's just the local school in your neighborhood, something like that, right? Okay, well, like I said, with over 1,300 hours of meticulous curated audio covering dozens and dozens of topics that will inspire, challenge, entertain, and educate, a true fulfillment of Pacifica Radio's mission statement. So get it now. Go to kpfk.org and pledge securely online or call 818-985-5735 and press the number 2. That's 818-985-KPFK to receive the voices that change the world. I just thought about this. For the donation of $250, that's less than a dollar a year. Because a dollar a year is $365, right? So for less than a dollar a year, you can get this gift for yourself or to gift someone else. But we do need your pledge. We need your membership. We need your support. And I just want to say thank you for being connected to us as partners and providing a place for family and friends to listen together. And let's keep the momentum going. Once again, go to kpfk.org or call 818-985-5735 and press the number two. That's 818-985-KPFK. Here is today's international news from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere with Polina Vasiliev. For KPFK's Rebel Alliance News, here are your international highlights from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere. There's been another coup in a former French colony in Africa, this time Gabon. The Gabonese military has annulled the results of this weekend's general election and deposed the newly re-elected president while closing the country's borders. On behalf of the Gabonese people and guarantors of the protection of the institutions have decided to defend peace by ending the regime in place. For this purpose, the general elections of August the 26th, 2023 and its results are cancelled. All institutions are dissolved, including government institutions, the Senate, the National Assembly, the Constitutional Court. We call on the population, the community of the brotherly country settled in Gabon, as well as the Gabonese diaspora, to remain calm. We will refer our stance to respect Gabon's commitments to the national and international communities. Timothy Obiezo is on the ground in Gabon with more details. During presidential elections that, that held um, during the weekend um, lacked credibility and um, because of that they said they had annulled the elections. They also dissolved all state institutions and shut 
the borders. There's been a build-up of sentiments towards the election. President Ali Bongo's family have been, has, has been leading in Gabon for 56 years. Initially, it was his father who um, had been leading the country since 1967, you know, before President Ali Bongo came on board in 2009. And um, he was declared winner of Saturday's election, you know, to run, to continue for a third term in office. So basically, the military leaders there said, are saying that that um, election lacked credibility. That's the main reason why, you know, they announced that um, coup. Gabon is a country in Central Africa. We've seen coups in West Africa, and now, you know, we're seeing in, in Gabon, in Central Africa, basically another country colonized formerly by, you know, French authorities. So there is a growing sentiment across Africa, basically people demanding just more from um, democratically elected leaders and saying that they want better for their countries, they want better for themselves, you know, they want democracy to yield better results in the, in the, the military leaders that took over power, citing, you know, the country's very poor economic status as well as, um, you know, the is- issues with um, insecurity there. Sandra Ike is a Nigerian Pan-Africanist who says the situation unfolding in Gabon is clearly showing the people's distrust in their government and their willingness to fight for freedom from colonialism. It's early days. Um, I think that if you look at what's going on just from, you know, what's happening and and some of the research that I've done, it seems to me that the people are not with that president and the president has been, you know, people have been against him and his actions and the fact that he's actually going for a third term. So I, I think majority of the people will back the, um, the, 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 the army. Unfortunately, that's not when we look at um, democracy and all that, many people would say, OK, it's better not to have you know, a, a military government. Um, but Africa at the moment, it looks like the civilian governments that we've uh, trusted our sovereignty with have actually done us no good. And, um, and we are not progressing with those kind of structures. So I think now people are fighting a, a revolutionary um, fight. Um, and then maybe perhaps that's just a, a way in which um, people are trying to get power away, away from those who they seem to, 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 who seem to be collaborating with people that are not working for the interest of their people. The European Union is reportedly moving to increase its influence in West Africa. Member states are said to have agreed on a mission in the Gulf of Guinea this fall, citing anti-terror operations and the need to strengthen security. The operation will reportedly span Ghana, Togo, Benin and the Ivory Coast, with the police and soldiers deployed to the countries to, quote, prevent instability triggered by jihadists. The move comes despite previous similar operations in Niger, Mali and Somalia having failed to yield fruitful results, with international groups ordered to leave after years of so-called peacekeeping operations. Speaking to RT, locals in Togo expressed rejection of European boots on the ground. It's not a good idea at all, as despite their efforts in Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger, they failed in their mission. It's not worth it. Terrorists committed crimes when they were in these countries. We don't want them here. We need security in the country, but we think the situation gets worse if these troops come to us. We are also vulnerable and that could create more tension. Their presence will attract more attention to our country and it will weaken the situation. I'm not in favor of this deployment. International analyst Victor Ohai, speaking from Lagos, Nigeria, said a new mission would not be welcome. If we have Islam is coming in, what we need from the EU and from any well-meaning nation is arms. You can train our soldiers, you can arm us, we can take them on ourselves. You know, we don't need military bases. Let's say how many of those, there are about four military bases in Niger. I do not know that one single U.S. soldier or EU soldier went out there to attack Islam. And they've been there all this while. They've not gone there to attack one single Islamist or defend Niger. It's just a pretext to bring them boots on the ground there and then establish their presence there because of the rising influence of, uh, of the perceived rising influence of Russia on the on, on the subcontinent. And um, I, I, I'm really worried because, unfortunately, some of our leaders are very gullible. 
and they're buying into this story, either knowingly or unknowingly, and endangering the future of, of this uh, region. Bernard Morna is a pan-Africanist economist and politician in Accra, Ghana. Certainly, there is no pan-Africanist worth their sort will be delighted by the news of the European Union wanting to establish a mission within Africa, particularly in the Gulf of Guinea zone. We are troubled by the events that Europe thinks that they have what it takes to control and to bring about peace in Africa. The history of Africa and Europe is not that of a symbiotic relationship. It is that of a parasitic relationship where Europe is the parasite that takes much away from Africa. And for anything and everything that Europe has done, and continue to do is only to further European interests and to bring about the impoverishment of the African people. Every August, the people of Afghanistan are reminded of many painful events, the memories of children being killed by American drones and people falling from American planes have left an indelible mark on the hearts and minds of the Afghan people. Abdullah Amirzada has this report. On August 29, 2021, as the U.S. was withdrawing its forces tumultuously, their drones were flying over Kabul to maintain security. A car suspected of carrying bombs was placed under surveillance. After a tiring day, Zumaray, the owner of the car, returned home to find peace with his family. As he parked the car in the yard and his children rushed to greet him, the man behind the joystick and his superiors made the fateful decision that this was the best time to act. Zumaray and nine members of his family were tragically killed in the air strike carried out by American forces on that day. Seven of the victims were innocent children under the age of 12. The youngest was only two years old. Zumaray himself was a relief worker who had spent the last day of his life distributing food among needy people in Kabul. During the U.S. withdrawal, which took almost two weeks, Afghan people witnessed countless brutalities and painful events. Ruhullah and Ahmad say that the bitter memories of those days will remain with them forever, etched in their minds as a reminder of the suffering they endured. I remember the chaos those days. The explosion near the airport and the drone attack on that car were heartbreaking. This is what we saw during the entire presence of the U.S. here. Death and destruction, but no benefit. The innocent children that did not know anything about policy, didn't know anything about government, didn't know anything about life, but they are being killed, and it's really mournful for me and also for all citizens of Afghanistan. During the 15-day pullout of U.S. forces, many people were killed either directly by the Americans or indirectly through their negligence. Some by falling off American planes, many in a suicide attack near the Kabul airport, and some by American missiles inside their own home. Most experts believe that the U.S. is to blame for these lost lives. As the U.S. was withdrawn, they intentionally made a false announcement claiming that they would take as many Afghans abroad as possible. This caused many people to rush to the airport in hopes of being taken to safety. The U.S. had several motives for this action, but the most important one was to show the world that the people of Afghanistan wanted them here in an attempt to justify their 20-year presence in the country. However, chaos quickly spiraled out of control, resulting in the tragic loss of many lives. A day after the air strike, the Pentagon spokesperson said that the civilians were probably killed by a second explosion, but experts proved that there was only one explosion from the missile. American authorities simply got over with the case by saying it was a mistake and that they were sorry. Yet no one was fired or even demoted. And that's all in today's international highlights from non-NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasilyev. KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. All right, what it is, KPFK, I'm Angela Birdsong. And here is your Rebel Alliance News Community Calendar. 
NAMI Urban LA has several mental health opportunities coming up next month, starting with their free Youth Mental Health First Aid training that teaches you how to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges among children, adolescents, age 12 to 18. This two-day virtual training on Zoom is Wednesday, September 6th and Thursday, September 7th, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Starting on Friday, September 15th, NAMI Urban LA's family-to-family sessions help family members understand and support their loved one's mental health challenge and diagnosis while maintaining their own well-being. There is no cost to participate, and all course materials are free for this eight-week class on Zoom. NAMI Urban Los Angeles Monthly Speaker Night is presenting Hope for Families of Special Needs Children with Margaret McNair, Managing Attorney of Hope for Families, Thursday, September 7th, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., online with Zoom. For more information or to register for these activities, go to NAMIUrbanLA.org. Check out Santa Monica Airport Antique Vintage Market on the first and fourth Sunday every month from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. This is a free on-site. There is free on-site parking. For more information, go to Santa Monica Airport AntiqueMarket.com. Join the Los Angeles Urban League for the State of Black Los Angeles to continue the dialogue on Black progress on Wednesday, September 13th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. with a dynamic panel emceed by Melissa McGee. This event is open to the community. Find details at the Los Angeles Urban League online at a at laul.org. That's laul.org. Gloria Molina Grand Parks Sunday Sessions is Latin House Sunday, September 17th, 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. This is a free event open to all ages. Find more details at Grand Park LA. Black Women Birthing Justice brings the Frontline Doula Hotline to connect pregnant, black pregnant, and postpartum individuals throughout the U.S. with a community doula in need of non-emergency emotional support and practical guidance at no cost. Monday through Sunday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Text doula help to 833-987-2908 to schedule a call with a doula. For more information, visit FrontlineDoulas.com. South L.A. Power Fest is happening with art, performances, and including games for the children. Saturday, September 16th, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Baldwin Hills, Crenshaw Plaza on the Upper Deck. For more info, search South L.A. Power Fest on Eventbrite for this free event. Free outdoor movies on Third Street Promenade, September through December on the second Friday of the month at the 1200 block of Third Street Promenade between Arizona and Wilshire. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Movie starts at 7.30 p.m. Registration is not required. For more info, search Eventbrite for movie Fridays on Third Street Promenade. This is a free event for everyone. Join Black Women for Wellness for several community events, beginning with Relationship Between Reproductive Justice and Domestic Violence on Thursday, August 31st, 10 a.m. to 12 noon on Zoom. On Friday, September 8th, Sisters at 8 have their town, town hall about the life of plastic, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Department of Water and Power Community Room, 4030 Crenshaw Boulevard in Los Angeles. Last but not least, Saturday, September 2nd, join Black Women for Wellness, the Farmer's Market Meetup at North Hollywood Farmer's Market, 5000 Colfax Avenue at 11 a.m. To learn more about Black Women for Wellness and for details about these events, visit bwwla.org. Come celebrate the 10th year of Nappy Wood, the West Coast Natural Hair Event. Join them September 10th, Sunday, at the Ontario Convention Center for electrifying infusion of hair, beauty, and fashion. Nappy Wood, in collaboration with In the Chair and Designer's Corner, 
will showcase the skill and creativity of the barbers, cosmetology students as they compete for top prizes. Meet the braiders and natural hairstylists who style your favorite celebrities like Beyonce. Get tips for maintaining healthy hair and body with classes, demos, and great vendors. With fashion shows and electrifying natural hair show featuring Lock Star Troop from Atlanta. This exciting event will be held on Sunday, September 10th at the Ontario Convention Center from 12 to 7 p.m. where hair and beauty enthusiasts and industry professionals alike will gather to be inspired and feel empowered. Get more info at nappywood.com. Althea Moses Fitness Club, the first Saturday of every month, 9 to 10 a.m. at Edward Vincent Jr. Park in Inglewood in front of the tennis courts. For more information about this Saturday, September 2nd, call 310-740-1157. Meet Impu Kamut for weekly Casa Taishi Shawan sessions on Zoom Tuesdays and Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Saturdays live in Lamert Park, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. For more information, call 213-447-7700. Calling new shooters to reinforce your basic shooting concepts and intermediate shooters to test your fundamentals and push beyond basic applications with Stephanie for the next Shooter Cypher on Sunday, September 10th. Cypher days are reserved for shooters that have already taken the basics of pistol shooting with Stephanie and are not for inexperienced persons. For more information about Cypher days or to take the basics of pistol shooting course, email ShootersCypher at gmail.com. Let's Be Whole program is giving away free bags of produce every week on Wednesdays, 12.30 p.m. at Lamert Park Plaza, 4395 South Lamert Boulevard in Africatown. Check out letsbehole.com for details. To find food pantries near you in the USA, go to foodfinder.us. To locate a Los Angeles Tenants Union meeting in your area online or over the phone, visit latenantsunion.org. For mental health resources, crisis support, helplines, and warm lines, go to namiurbanla.org under resources. Well, we have gone through as much news as we can for this hour and thank you guys so much for joining us for the Rebel Alliance News. I'm Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions. And thank you for keeping KPFK a strong and independent source of music, arts, news, and information. Like I said earlier, KPFK has been on the air nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Next year, 366, because it'll be leap year. They've been doing this since July 1959. Our brand is our mission. We are a progressive media outlet, challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to the voiceless. Make sure that you give us a call at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. And follow the prompts to donate. Giving what you can, $25, $250, $2,500, Yes, you can pledge securely online at kpfk.org. And remember, for a donation of $250, you will get the right, um, the voices that change the world. Premium, the USB flash drive. That can be a gift for yourself. Christmas is coming up. There's all kinds of things that's going on that you can always gift somebody with that. Okay, well, if you want to become part of our news show, if you have a news story, idea, or comments, please email us at news at kpfk.org. A huge thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and all Rebel Alliance news contributors. We hope you will join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. Coming up next is Feminist Magazine. This is KPFK.